Chapter 20 of Treachery in Outer Space. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Treachery in Outer Space by Kerry Rockwell. Chapter 20. Ease her up a little more, Steve. Commander Walters stood at the viewport watching the mighty Polaris slide alongside the black ship toward the coupling devices that would lock the two ships together in space. A little more, said Walters. About twenty feet. Short burst on the main jets, Strong called into the intercom. Aye, aye, shouted Astro from below. The giant ship inched along, the skins of the two ships barely touching. That's it, shouted Walters. The magnetic coupling links are in place. We are locked together. He turned to Strong and Barnard. Secure ship and come with me. Are you going to leave anyone on the ship, sir? Asked Strong as he cut all power. No, I want everyone with me, replied Walters. No telling what Miles might try. As soon as we get aboard, spread out and search the ship. Find Tom and Roger if you can, and then come up to the control deck. "'Aye, aye, sir,' acknowledged Strong. Walters turned to the audio receiver and spoke sharply into the microphone. "'This is Walters, Miles. We are alongside and preparing to board your ship. I warn you not to try any tricks. I have accepted your surrender and hold you to it on your honor as a spaceman.' He paused, waiting for acknowledgment, then called again. "'Are you there, Miles?' There was a crackle of static over the loudspeaker, and Miles's voice rang out on the control deck of the Polaris. I'm here, Walters. Come on aboard. Walters turned to Strong and Kit. Let's go. You know your jobs, so search the ship and report on the control deck. He strode toward the coupling locks that held the two ships together in space. Aboard the black ship, Quint and Ross Miles smiled at each other. "'You know what to do, Quint?' said Ross. His brother nodded. "'All set,' he said. "'Get going, then, and don't make a move "'until you hear me draw their attention.' "'Right.' The two brothers shook hands, and Quint turned away, hurriedly leaving the control deck. Ross walked over to Tom and Roger, who watched the scene with anxious eyes. "'I really hate to do this, boys.' he said, but as you can see, things are pretty tight. With that, he suddenly brought the butt of his ray gun down hard on Roger's head. The blonde-haired cadet slumped to the floor. Tom leaped at the spaceman, but before he could close with him, Ross stepped back quickly and brought the gun down sharply on his head. The cadet slumped to the deck. Quickly, Ross propped them up against the bulkhead. Then, after a fast look around the control deck for any last thing he might have forgotten, he walked casually over to the control station and sat down. Seconds later, Walters and Strong stepped inside. I arrest you for murder, willful destruction of Solar Guard property, and illegal operation of a uranium mine, Quint Miles, said Walters. The spaceman shrugged and said nothing. Strong bent over the unconscious forms of the two cadets and tried to bring them to, but they failed to respond. "'Better leave them alone, Steve,' said Walters. 
we have to get a medical officer for them. They look as if they've been bumped pretty hard. Strong stood up abruptly and walked over to Miles, who lounged casually in his chair. Ignoring Walters, the Solar Guard captain stood in front of the black-suited spaceman, his jaw within an inch of the other man's face. If anything serious has happened to those two boys, Miles, he said in a cold, flat voice full of menace, I'll tear you apart. Miles paled for an instant and then grinned uneasily. Don't worry about it, Strong. They're pretty tough kids. Kit Barnard suddenly burst into the control room. I searched the cargo holds, Commander, he said. Nothing there but lead boxes. Didn't find the boys. Bernard stopped suddenly at the sight of the two unconscious cadets. Tom, Roger, he cried. They were slugged, Kit, said Strong. You go back to the Polaris and send out an emergency call. Find the closest ship with a medical officer aboard and arrange for a meeting out here in space. We'll be ready to blast in five minutes. Okay, Steve, replied Kit, turning to the door and then stopping to glare at Miles. And save a piece of that space rat for me. Under Bernard's steely look, Miles rose to his feet and stepped back hesitantly. Then, suddenly he jumped up on the chair, scrambled to the top of the master control panel, and crouched there tensely. Strong, Walters, and Kit were momentarily stunned by his strange action. It seemed like a senseless and futile effort to get away. There was no way Miles could get out of the control deck or off the ship. Beyond the reach of anyone on the control deck, Miles began to laugh. Walters turned beet red with anger. This is stupid, Miles, he roared. You can't get away, and you know it. That all depends on where you're standing, Walters, said a voice from the hatch. The three spacemen whirled at the sound of the voice and were dumbfounded by the appearance of Quent Miles, standing to one side of the hatch, holding an automatic Parallo ray rifle trained on them. Stay right where you are, he said softly. The first man that moves gets frozen solid. Walters, Strong, and Kit were too stunned to make a move. They could only stare in open disbelief at Quint Miles. Come on down, Ross, called Quint, and if anyone tries to stop him, I'll let all three of you have it. Ross climbed down from the control panel and stripped the three helpless spacemen of their weapons. He threw them out of the hatch and then went to stand by his brother. As they stood side by side, Strong and Walters couldn't help but gasp at the identical features of the two men. You can never hope to get away, either of you, growled Walters, when he finally regained his composure. Quint laughed. We're doing more than just hope, Walters. Just for your information, Ross chimed in, we're changing ships and taking the cargo with us. He backed toward the hatch slowly. Come on, Quint. The two brothers stepped back through the doorway, Ross keeping his rifle leveled at the three men. Safely outside, Quint slammed the heavy door closed. Then, with a rocket wrench, he worked on the outer nuts of the door, used in emergency to seal off the ship by compartments. All set, said Quint, stepping back. They can't get out now until someone comes and loosens up those nuts. Get down below and start transferring the cargo to the Polaris, ordered Ross, slinging the rifle over his shoulder. 
I'll get on the audio receiver and tell that cruiser squadron to go back. Quint laughed. You know, Ross, this is terrific, he chortled. We not only get away, but we get ourselves a Solar Guard rocket cruiser. Nobody will be able to touch us in that ship. Nobody but me, Miles, said a voice behind them. The two brothers spun around to see Astro, stripped to the waist, a heavy lug wrench in his hand, legs spread apart, ready to spring. Had me fooled there for a while, Ross, he growled. I saw your brother back at the academy and thought it was you. But he didn't have the split earlobe, the one I gave you, remember? Ross slowly reached for the rifle that was slung over his shoulder. Don't do it, Ross, warned Astro. Get your hands off that rifle, or I'll ram this wrench down your throat. Russ lowered his hand again, slowly. Who is this guy, Ross? asked Quint, licking his lips nervously. How does he know about us? Russ kept his eyes on Astro, glaring at the cadet in hot fury. I met him on a deep spacer five years ago, when you were laid up in the hospital, he said between his teeth. This punk was a wiper on the power deck. I was his petty officer. We got into a fight, snarled Astro, when he wanted to send me into a firing chamber without letting it cool off first. There are two of us now, Astro, said Ross. Astro nodded slowly. That's right, two of you. Suddenly he dove toward the two men, arms outstretched, with one mighty swipe of the wrench, he knocked Quint unconscious. Russ was hurled against the bulkhead by the impact, but managed to stay on his feet. Desperately, he tore the Pirello ray rifle from his shoulders, but before he could level it, Astro was upon him, wrenching it out of his grasp. Pushing Russ away, he calmly broke it in two and threw the pieces to one side. Then he faced the black-clad spaceman squarely. I was a kid when I first saw you, Ross, he said between his teeth. So you had me fooled like everyone else. When your brother showed up at the academy with his ears in good shape, I thought it was a curious coincidence two guys could look so much alike. And on Titan, when you had me hauling up those boxes, you wore your hat all the time, along with the oxygen mask. So I didn't think anything of it. But now I know. All the while Astro talked, the two men circled each other like two wrestlers, each waiting for his opponent to make a mistake. So you know, sneered Russ. All right, wiper, come on. The black-suited spaceman suddenly drove straight at Astro, and the cadet caught the full force of his body in his stomach. He sprawled on the deck, gasping. Miles was on top of him in a second, hands at Astro's throat. Fire danced in the cadet's brain as Ross Miles's steely fingers closed around his windpipe. Slowly, with every ounce of strength he had in his body, Astro grasped Miles's wrists in his hands and began squeezing. The fingers around the muscular wrists were the fingers of a boy filled with hate and revenge. Slowly, very slowly, as the seconds ticked away and the wind whistled raggedly in his throat, Astro increased the enormous pressure. Now he felt the fingers around his throat begin to relax a little, and then a little more, and he kept tightening the pressure of his mighty hands. 
expressions of surprise and then pain spread across miles's face and he finally relaxed his grip around astro's throat he struggled to free himself from the vice-like grip but it was hopeless astro continued to apply pressure he forced miles up from his chest and then up on his feet never relenting miles's face now was twisted in agony they stood on the deck face to face for almost a minute in silent struggle there seemed to be no end to the power in the cadet's hands suddenly ross miles slumped to his knees and then sprawled on the deck as astro let him go the black-clad spaceman had fainted they got a couple of hard bumps but they'll be all right announced the medical officer straightening up but that man outside ross miles is going to stand trial with a broken wrist he turned to strong what do you feed those cadets strong smiled and replied these are special types we train to take care of space rats tom and roger lay stretched out on emergency cots set up on the control deck of the polaris they grinned weakly at astro who hovered over them solicitously this is the first time we've ever wound up an assignment on our backs you big venusian hick said roger and i suppose i'll have to thank you for saving my life astro grinned wasn't much to save roger listen you roger rose on one elbow but the medical officer pressed him gently back on the cot did you ever find out how bill stycoon's ship was sabotaged captain strong asked tom we sure did tom said strong one of brett's confederates slugged the solar guard officer in charge of monitoring the race on demos and took his place if it hadn't been for a brash stereo reporter that kept taking pictures of everything and everyone the impersonator wouldn't have been caught and to think i wanted to give that reporter a few lumps tom exclaimed did you find out anything about the crash of gg duarte's ship sir asked roger yes ross confessed that he was in luna city and planted a time bomb on gigi's ship when the french chicken came in for refueling say exclaimed roger i just happened to think with miles disqualified kit wins the race seated in the pilot's chair kit turned to roger and waved a paper here's the contract roger signed sealed and with only the crystal to be delivered there's only one thing bothering me now sighed tom what's that tom asked strong do you think i could get a three-day pass before we go back to class at the academy strong and kit looked at each other puzzled with sick leave you'll have plenty of time said strong why a three-day pass especially tom settled deeper into the cot well sir he said grinning i figure it'll take just about three days for astro and roger to argue it out about who did the most to catch ross and quint miles and I don't want to have to listen to it. End of chapter 20 Recording by Rich Brown, Minneapolis, Minnesota End of Treachery in Outer Space by Carrie Rockwell